You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. I do want us to pray a prayer blessing over Josh and his family. Would you stand, Josh? I want us to pray over you. Um, even as Josh was sharing this morning, you know, his sabbatical in 2020 got, uh, you know, shortened because of COVID. <laughs> and I actually remember talking to him on the way back. We were, we were, me and my family were coming back from Omaha because the whole city was shutting down. The whole world was shutting down. And so I, I called him just to, to talk, talk it through, process world, you know, world happenings with a friend. And, uh, and his, his sabbatical got cut short because of COVID. And I really felt like it'd be cool for us as a, as a church family here in Ames to pray refreshing and infilling and rest upon him and his household as that sabbatical wasn't all that refreshing with the, the, the scare with his family and then uh, COVID coming upon the globe. So, <laughs> so I wanted him to leave Ames just filled up and refreshed, fresh vision, fresh faith, and rest and energy. Can we do that? Let's extend our hands towards Josh and just in faith believe for a fresh feeling. Lord, we pray that upon this man of God. Lord, as he goes back to Bismarck, we're asking that he would go back filled up, refreshed, rejuvenated, re-energized with fresh faith, with uh, fresh unction and passion in his heart to carry out the call of God on his, uh, that's on, upon his life. And Lord, we pray, especially in this season of transition of the adding, uh, the addition of Berkeley and their family, Lord, we're asking for a grace upon his household. Lord, a grace upon him as a father of his household to know how to shepherd his house well, to create an atmosphere and an environment in his household that just hosts the presence of God so well that these kids, Avery and Lily and Berkeley, Lord, they, they become familiar with your presence and with who you are at such a young age. We pray you give him wisdom beyond himself, just of your Holy Spirit and how to father and shepherd his own home. In your name, Jesus, amen. Hey, so can we give it up for Josh as he comes again this evening to bring the word? thank you. You're all very gracious, and I do feel refreshed, and it's great to be with friends. Uh, I told Drew it's just great to get to know his kids. I don't get to do that very often and to spend time with them, and um, man, just grateful to have been here, and I love this service. This is great. It's awesome, and, and you are the faithful. Like <laughs> You showed up, and um, man, my story is a collection of moments that alters front of churches like this, right? And uh, I remember from a young age, uh, I was at a youth convention and I was sitting on uh, the steps at the church that we all were at. At the time I was, I was in school, but later would be at that church in Fargo and there was about 1,800 steps going up to the stage. And uh, I was crouched down on one of them praying and wondering what God would want to do through my little little life, you know, and I was a farm kid, and I didn't have a ton of friends, and I got to get out once a year to, to the big city of Fargo to go to youth convention, and uh, a guy came over, and he put his hand on my shoulder, and he squeezed my shoulder, and I did the peek, you know, to see who was praying for me while he was praying, and, and it was the speaker of the whole thing, and he, he put his hand on my shoulder, and he said, God has called you to be a leader of leaders, and I was, I was like, I'm the tail, man. You don't even know. Like, I don't, I don't lead anybody except my little brother in wrestling matches right now. That's, that's all I have going. And, and it's amazing how God is faithful to his word, isn't it? 
and how somebody can just sow a seed of faith in our hearts. And I remember standing at another altar a few years later, and I was just seeking the Lord for more of Him, and I'd been praying to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and it hadn't happened, and my sister had tried to explain it to me. People had prayed for me, and I'm very... uh, analytical. Anybody else? I'm a C on the disc, and uh, I have to think through everything from every angle, and I was stuck. And actually, sometimes when you don't get what you want from God, it starts to drive a wedge. And I was starting to have a wedge driven because I thought, Lord, why everybody else and not me? And uh, I remember in that moment lifting my hands and praying, and another language began to flow out. And I walked out the door, and a voice said, you made that up. And and that wasn't the real thing, uh, but my life changed. (laughs) And I started to take what God had given me and said, well, if it's from the Lord, I'm going to use it in faith and it's going to bear fruit. And I started to do that as a sophomore in high school. And God did amazing things in my life. And I finished school strong. And I just think moments like this are so powerful. And uh, because God shows up. I love the song that we sang it. Uh, about the promises uh, of Christ, every promise is amen, because the Bible says every promise of God is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And what a powerful promise for the church and for people that every promise God has given is yes and so be it. Uh, Tanya's dad says that over and over and over. He would tell me that all the time. Amen means so be it. Every promise is amen, is so be it in our life with Jesus. And so, man, I just want to encourage you to seek the Lord tonight and to seek him for your family and to listen for his voice. There's been so many moments where I didn't know what was going on in the world or in my life and God spoke to me in a moment that I sought him and it carried me through that season. There's words like that that I'm leaning on right now, believing God is going to carry me through uh, this season. I am, I'm in way over my britches in what I'm leading right now. I don't even know uh, what I'm doing, but God is faithful to carry us through and to help us in our time of need. And uh, I love the story of Nehemiah. I won't read the whole thing to you, but God calls this guy who's a cupbearer to the king, and he says, I'm going to send you back to your home country, to your homeland, to, your, to the city, and you're going to rebuild the walls. And he sends Nehemiah out on this mission and it was just a few years ago that uh, Janae and I were very comfortable uh, in our lives. We were newly engaged. We had gotten engaged in November, and it was the beginning of a new year, and we were excited to get married, and we had a young adult ministry that we were leading uh, that was prospering and doing really, really well. And then uh, February 4th of 2014, my lead pastor stepped into my office. Our church was growing by 200 people a year. I mean, it was booming. Things were just happening. And he came in and he said, hey, I'm leaving. I said, that's really funny, you know. <laughs> and he said, no, I, I took a job as a vice president at a university. And I thought, who, who would want to do something like that? <laughs> Are you sure? And, uh, and I literally wrote in my journal that day, today the ground shook. Because I felt like everything that we had experienced had stopped. There was no obvious heir apparent. We didn't know what God was going to do next. And... Um, and we th- I thought it was over. You know, I thought I better just start the job search and uh, figure out what's going to do next, what, what I'm going to do next. And I remember a few months later, he actually left. He, uh, didn't, he was supposed to do our wedding. He didn't come back to do it because he didn't feel like it would be right to step back into the church right away. Another one of our pastors passed away right after that. Uh, two more pastors left in August of that year. And I was like, yep, it's all crumbling. I'm like, Janae, let's get out of here. <laughs> And, uh, and I remember the Sunday after he left, I was preaching, and I remember getting out of bed, 
and just feeling the grace of God come upon my life in a way I hadn't experienced before. Just like there was this lift. Have you ever felt that? Like you get up to do something hard and difficult and you just feel like all of a sudden God just kind of hoists you up, he picks you up. And man, in this season with everything that's going on in the world right now, we all just need a touch of God's grace like that right? To not give in to fear or to doubt or to dismay, but to just trust God that he's going to give us what we need in the season to get us through. And I remember in that moment, God gave me this, this lift and I started preaching and uh, I preached a message that weekend and our board members still say, that was the message, Josh. That, that was the one where uh, we just knew that you were the next person to lead the church. And Six months went by and, and we were seeking the Lord. We didn't want the job. We didn't ask for the job. We didn't lobby for the job. People would ask us if we wanted to be the pastors and I'd say, please stop saying that because the more you say that, the higher the likelihood that I have to leave if a new guy comes. Um, so please stop saying that. And uh, the board eventually approached us in September, asked us to lead the church. And we gave them, you know, we took eight weeks to pray about it uh, and just tortured them. But we, we went to a conference and a lady was speaking and she said, God is calling highly unlikely people to highly unlikely places to do highly unlikely things. And Janae and I looked at each other and said, oh, shoot. You know, <laughs> I think that we're highly unlikely. <laughs> and we came back and said, yes, and God has just blessed everything uh, that we've put our hand to since then. And I look at Nehemiah's story, and he has this incredibly challenging task, right? He has to go back and rebuild the walls. He's going to have to have a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other. He has to get uh, approval from the king. Like, there's a lot to tackle. He, he's up against it. But if you read his story in the book of Nehemiah, you see that God helped him all along the way, that God not only gave him a burden to do it, but God opened the doors for him to do it as well. And God took a highly unlikely person, a cupbearer to the king, and sent him back to a highly unlikely place, and he rebuilt the city walls. He did a highly unlikely thing. And I, I've, I didn't intentionally do this, but I've realized that maybe I came to your church this weekend to, uh, to speak to you about being missional and the, the personal life of the believer and what God is calling us to do in this day and this time that we live in right now. And also not giving in to what society says right now about your ultimate job being to protect your family, but being a person that mobilizes your family that raises your kids up to send them into their school, to send them out to tell people about Jesus. And it's so easy for the whole world right now to look inward and to be focused on ourselves and to be focused on our own security and to be focused on our worries. And, uh, and you can take care of what you need to take care of, but we have to lift our eyes, right? We have to fix our eyes, not on the problems of the world, but on the promises of Jesus, on the promises that he has for every one of our lives. And I just am naive enough to believe that God wants to speak to you today. That God wants to, to awaken your spirit. That maybe you're the dry and barren land going on inside of your spirit. And today God wants to let rivers of refreshing just flow through. That he wants to remind you of something that he called you to do. He wants to give you the faith to not be a cupbearer any longer, but to go do the thing that he's called you to do. He wants to help you and be your ever-present help in the time of need that you're experiencing, maybe even right now uh, in your life. I was thinking about 
Sorry, this is, the title of this message is a collection of thoughts all over the place from Pastor Josh, and I think my notes reset, but we'll just roll with it. I was thinking about um, being a highly unlikely person, and uh, think about the work of God's Spirit in every one of our lives. And I, even what I talked about this morning, about how apart from God we can do nothing, And I'm thankful of the working of God's spirit that's working right now across this room in different hearts, in different ways. And the Holy Spirit works uh, in many different ways. And if we're going to be highly unlikely people that do the highly unlikely things that God has called us to, it's going to take a work of the spirit, right? Zechariah uh, 4, 6 says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. It's not going to come by our own strength or our own understanding. I'm good with the baby. I have one just like five weeks older, so it's all good. Um, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What does the spirit of God do in our life? Maybe tonight it's a convicting work of the spirit. That God is going to say, hey, I've wanted to create space in your heart for a long time, but until you remove these things, I can't pour out more of myself. I think I said it today, but the road of discipleship and following Jesus is littered with old things that we lay down. Old, old expectations, old maybe dreams, our old flesh. We lay it down so we might take up the cross of Christ and become like him. John 16, 8 says, when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. He'll convict us to live like Christ Jesus, not for condemnation's sake, but so we become like Christ. The, I, I went to college my freshman year, and I had some bad experiences in high school. And when I got out of college, my only, or out of high school, my only goal was to get as far away from my hometown as possible while still paying in-state tuition. And so, so I went to Fargo. And, uh, and I had bitterness in my heart from some stuff that had happened, and I was angry. And I spent my freshman year of college laying in my bunk bed my, I literally had a bunk bed because we were in overflow. There were so many students. And, uh, and I, I, I had tears running down my face and I would shake in anger at some stuff that had happened to me. And the Lord began to deal with me and I went home from my freshman year of college and I was sitting in the tractor baling hay. I don't know if this is a farming crowd or not, but, uh, but I was going around and around and around and around and you can only go around so many times before you start thinking about stuff. And, uh, and I remember, one of, it was a, the, this was the point of personal revival in my life, because if we're going to have corporate revival, we have to have personal revival. And I was a part of a corporate revival at the college that I was at after this, but I had to have a personal revival in my heart. And I remember God's spirit coming into that tractor and saying, well, Josh, it's been a year. Do you like how things have gone? Because I'd just gone my own way. I hadn't really plugged in anywhere. I sat in the back of the church and I left before anybody could talk to me. And, uh, and I said, no, I don't want more of that. And I did what happened in America back in the day when there was a revival among all the farmers and I got out of my tractor, I got on my knees in the middle of a field and I gave my heart back to Jesus. And God did a convicting work. And maybe that's where you're at today, that today you just need to get your life back in alignment with who Christ has called you to be. Maybe it's the regenerating work that is talked about in Titus, where he saves us not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. It's not something that we earn. It's something that we've been given by his mercy. Maybe tonight it's about the indwelling work 
Uh, Romans 8, 9, you're not controlled by your sinful nature, you're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And maybe today it's about the Holy Spirit coming to live and to work on the inside and you listening to His voice. And I'm going to talk to you about obedience in just a second. But hearing His voice and not just hearing it, but being obedient to it and doing what God has called you to do. Maybe it's the maturing work of Christ that's going to take place in your heart tonight. In Galatians 5.22, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yes, even in 2021, all of these things. There's no law against these things. It's the maturing work of Christ as we become like him. Or maybe tonight it's the empowering work, the receiving power from on high. The empowering work of the Holy Spirit who comes to work upon us and in us and through us to increase our witness. I believe that these are the ways that we become the highly unlikely people. When we submit ourselves to the full work of the Holy Spirit. Not just the regenerating work, but to the full work. God, whatever you want to say, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to speak, I'm submitted to the full work that you want to do in my life. And I believe as we become those people and as we submit ourselves, then it's going to be after that that God taps us on the shoulder and gives us assignment. It's going to be after that that we hear his voice saying, I want you to go here. I want you to do this. I want you to say that. It, it's, I felt it at the end of the second service this morning. It was like we were closing down and all of a sudden these words of knowledge just started coming to my mind for people. And it's when we're surrendered to him that God doesn't just do that through the preacher. God wants to do that through the people. Because there are people that you will go out and you will meet tomorrow and do life with that Pastor Drew and Pastor Tony will never have access to. But you being a messenger of Christ, with the Holy Spirit working in and through your life, will have an opportunity to bring somebody closer to Jesus or to take somebody across the line of following Jesus. Or encouraging somebody who's losing faith in the times that we live in. I think God has called us to be highly unlikely people. And here's the hard part. When you become God's person, sometimes he calls you to unlikely places. And uh, this is like the next step of, of maturity. Saying, God, I don't want to just be your person, but I'll go anywhere you call me to go. I'll do anything that you call me to do. When I came out of college, uh, I knew that it was time to actually start ministry. And I, I literally, my prayer was, Lord Jesus, I will go anywhere for you except Western North Dakota, Lord. Anywhere else, here I am, send me, you know? I was putting in like applications in Alaska. I was literally like, Lord, anywhere except Western North Dakota, the other side of the river, I don't want to go back. And God called me to Dickinson, which is Western, Western, more West than where I grew up. And I went and, and but it's, it's a heart that says, Lord, I'll go to any place that you call me to go. And I went and there were 17 students in the youth group and we started reaching them and spending time with them. And in, in a year and a half, it grew to 75 and God was doing a, a work, not because of Josh, but because when you become his person and you say, God, I'll go anywhere that you want me to go, God uses it. God blesses it. Anything that you submit to God's control, he can bless. And so when you take your life, when you take your calling, when you take the person that you are and say, Lord, I'm in submission to you, God can take that and he can bless it and he can use it for his glory. It's becoming 
highly unlikely people, but even going to highly unlikely places. And friends, man, I, I just, there is revival in my spirit. I've been telling our worship team, we're singing the song, Lord, send revival every week or every month until Jesus comes because I'm believing him for it. And I'm believing that we're gonna see it. And I know that we live in days where people can become dismayed and discouraged. I know that there's people that are gonna lose heart, that are gonna lose hope, their love is gonna grow cold, but not us, right? No, we're gonna, we're gonna be uh, like Jeremiah who says it's like a fire shut up in my bones and I'm hotter for Jesus today than I was yesterday. I'm more passionate about his word today than I was yesterday. And I was talking to our staff just about the times that we live in right now and it's, it's similar to the story of, of Nehemiah. God sends him back to rebuild a city where his ancestors are buried. Everything was dead like it was the place where nobody wanted to go and try to make things right again. It was a highly unlikely place. And it's how I felt about North Dakota. I was like, Lord, there's churches everywhere. Like, really? Is there anywhere else? But God is, is wanting to do highly unlikely things in the most unlikely places. You know what that might mean this year? That somebody you've been praying for for 25 years is actually gonna come to know Jesus. I was spending time with my brother-in-law and he's far from the Lord the other week and we were sitting and we were talking and casually in a conversation, he said, yeah, I tune into church almost every week. And both Janae and myself, we were like, don't react. <laughs> I don't. And he, he's, he's asking questions and he's tuning in. Last weekend, I baptized my stepmom in her hot tub in her backyard. Like God is showing up in places that we've prayed for a long time. God is doing unlikely things. I'm telling you, I feel like we are on the verge of something. And if you're hungry for it, if you're willing to step out in faith, if you're willing to share, if you're willing to live a godly life, then God is winning souls to his kingdom right now. People are searching for answers. And I think the, the more we come out of COVID, people are gonna be more and more hungry. I'm feeling that, I'm seeing that. My friends are talking about it in their churches as they reopen, people are coming. And they're seeking, they're, they're searching. And man, I, again, corporate revival comes out of personal revival. And it's when we experience Jesus in a new and a fresh way. Man, I'm thankful for having sat in your church this weekend because I am refreshed. The, the worship, the presence of God, the, the heart and the culture of prayer is refreshing in this place. And I feel like I'm gonna go home tired but more full than when I came. <laughs> And I have a nap today, Drew. <laughs> Listen, it's not the first time that things have been difficult. There's this saying that people have like, man, this is the worst it's ever been. Our world's going to hell in a handbasket. Well, not on my watch. <laughs> it's not the worst it's ever been. There's been difficult times before. In 1967, it was a difficult time in our country. Just four years earlier, the president had been assassinated. People, soldiers were coming home from battle and a, it, a terrible, terrible war. Often hand-to-hand -hand combat, going through terrible things and they were coming home and they were being spit on. There was riots on college campuses. The place, the country was on fire. Just division all over the place. It wasn't, it wasn't good. It was often violent. 
the, the Beatles, come on, I'm talking some of your era right now. You're like, I'm with you, Pastor Josh. <laughs> the Beatles had just released Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And on the cover of it was all these images and leaders and people that showed, it demonstrated the social upheaval that was happening in the nation in those days. And uh, there was a myriad of personalities that they talked about, and, and it was hard times. It was difficult times. It was uncertain times. People wrote books about how the world was going to end. And in the midst of that, a seed of revival was planted. In the midst of those days, some of you know where I'm going. You know what I'm talking about. A seed of revival was planted even in the most difficult of times. See, while all of this was happening, just a few years later, all of a sudden, they realized that hippies, during the summer of love, were being baptized in the Pacific Ocean. That, that something was beginning to shift. Something was beginning to happen. College students were accepting Christ, and, and they were willing to be sent out, saying, God, I'm your unlikely person. I'll go to whatever place you call me to. And this revival began to sweep across the, the West Coast and it, and it transformed the United Kingdom as well. And people were experiencing God in a new way. And if you think, man, I don't really know anything about that. A lot of the songs, a lot of the leaders that we've looked to for the last 50 years were shaped by what happened during that time. By the move of God that happened on the heels of difficulty in our nation. It, it was even on Time Magazine, hippies being baptized <laughs> In the Pacific Ocean, this outbreak of revival that was taking place on the West Coast, the seed of revival that was being planted, it, was, it birthed the vineyard movement, which a lot of our modern-day Christian music comes from. It's Youth for Christ and Operation Mobilization and Campus Crusade for Christ were empowered, and they mobilized hundreds of thousands of young adults in those days. And many of those young adults are prominent leaders in the Christian church today or have been prominent evangelists in the days gone by. And it all started because some of those young adults looked at the church in the midst of difficult times and became disenfranchised because the church was stuck in their rut and God was pouring out something fresh and something new. And it was revival. What is revival? It's the awakening of the truth and the reality of the God in the hearts of people. And it's a, a fresh moving of the Holy Spirit. And it's not just something we read about or we pray for or we sing about. It's something that we should believe God for. Because I don't know, friends, sometimes I think the American church is just falling asleep. Or just thinking, you just stop me if I'm going out of line. <laughs> or just thinking that rather than politics being one way, it's the only way to see the kingdom of God come. But I just think God is calling us back to his word and back to the purity of the gospel and back to depending on the power of his Holy Spirit. Not that we should not be involved, not that we should not be responsible, but that we, we would be people who say, God, I will be your person wherever place you call me to go. And Lord, I'm going to believe you that I'm going to see unlikely things happen in my life. Pete Ward of Durham University wrote this about that movement in the 70s. He said, the effect of the Jesus movement was to breathe new life into the church based on the appropriation of aspects of youth culture. Such culture involved widespread changes in worship style uh, out with this way and in with uh, the previously sinful guitar, he says. 
This was largely the product of the movement's informal style and the contemporary Christian music that it generated, and it was all a part of the larger charismatic renewal of the previous decade. And I'm telling you that, that living in these, uh, this is like a swear word now, but unprecedented times (laughs) that we live in today, it's on the heels of a revival that happened. And I'm just believing God that in the midst of difficulty, like I said this morning, don't be so distracted by what's happening in the world that you lose track of what's happening in the kingdom. That you lose track that God is still after souls. He's still after people. He's still wanting to touch the life of your neighbor. And I've been praying and saying, Lord, how? Like, what should my response be? What do you want to do in me? What do you want to do through me, God? How do I actually see this happen in my life? And I'm going to call you to a response with this in Psalm 50, verse 14. God says, why don't you give me the sacrifice that I desire? One of the things I learned early on in marriage, I think they say your first year of marriage is either bliss or it's battle, you know, kind of depending on your personalities. And my wife and I had to figure some stuff out the first year. And part of it was because I was doing a lot of things that weren't actually meeting her needs. Like, but babe, I'm providing and I'm taking out the trash and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing that. And she's saying, but what I actually need is connection. What I actually need is support. And in the kingdom of God, you can do a lot of things, but not actually be doing the most important thing. And this is what God is saying. He's saying, why don't you bring me what I actually desire? And then look what he says. Bring me your true and sincere thanks. When we thank God, it often precedes breakthrough in our lives. I watched a guy at a church who was seeking healing for his shoulder and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. And then all of a sudden he said, the the person praying said, hey, how about you just thank God like it already happened? And the guy said, thank you, Jesus. And his arm went straight up in the air. It's so symbolic of when we put on a garment of praise and thanks to God, even before God has done anything, he's the God who creates something out of nothing. And when we thank him, we often see those things come to pass. So he says, give me your sincere thanks. Give me your sincere gratitude and show your gratitude by keeping your promises to me. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Keep your promises to me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Keep your promises to the Lord. And then he says, honor me by trusting in me in your day of trouble. Don't despair. Don't lose heart. Keep your zeal for the Lord at all times. Your passion for him. Trust him, even in the most difficult times. And then he says, cry aloud to me, and I will be there to rescue you. And I said it this morning, sometimes rescue looks one way, sometimes it looks another way, but God promises to rescue. And if you're wondering, how do I seek him tonight? What could I seek him for tonight? And some of us, we just need to thank Jesus for what he's done, for what he's doing, for how he's helped you, that you made it through the last year, for his hand upon your life. There's others God is calling you to obedience today. He's called you to do a highly unlikely thing or to go to a highly unlikely place or to become his highly unlikely person and you just need to give him your yes and respond to his lordship. There's others, maybe you're walking through difficulty and right now, you need to be at the front of this church saying, Lord, I trust you. And there's some stuff that I'm gonna lay at your feet tonight and I'm not gonna take it back up. 
Cast all your cares on him. Cast all your anxieties on him. Don't set them down for a moment and then reel them back in. Cast them at his feet because he cares for you. Especially in your day of calamity, especially if you're in the worst of the worst of it right now, it's the perfect time to lay it at his feet. And you know what? Whatever you're going through right now, if it's really bad, it's the worst it's ever gonna get because if you know Jesus, your promise is heaven. Things are only gonna get better. Or maybe you just need to cry out to him for an answer tonight. Seek him. And I believe that God is in the business of answering prayer. I believe that God is moving. He's awake. He's ready to move. I'm seeing it in my life. We're seeing it in our church. Do you come at this time-ish? Okay. (laughs) I had somebody, I was telling Pastor Drew, friends and I mean, I know that I'm the one with the mic that stands on the stage and that can feel like, but I'm one of you. I mean, honestly, I go through the same things. Like I have the same challenges and doubts. And last week I got three separate messages from three separate people who don't even know each other or interact with each other. Some of them don't even live in the same community and they all had dreams about me and they all were the same thing. I don't know what it means yet, but, <laughs> but it happened. And I'm telling you, I tell you that for one reason. God is speaking and he's moving and don't get distracted. Throw off the sin that so easily entangles, get over the hindrances, the distractions of life, shut off your social media, whatever you gotta do. And fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, because he's moving and he's speaking and he's using the most unlikely people. And you're one of them. And so am I. And I'm just excited in the days and the months ahead to hear about how God is using you and using this church to win battles in this community and in the state and in the nation and seeing people come to know Jesus. Amen. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.